You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kibalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. This is the Ramban versus the Rambam. And uh, tonight's shear uh, is dedicated to someone who tragically passed away recently. I'm going to ask for the name one more time because I, I, I forgot her middle name. Uh, if you could just tell them it to me again. Reza, Reza Gittel. Reza Gittel Bazev. Bazev. Reza Gittel Bazev. Um, and uh, she was a, a woman that I was in contact with and was in her home often. Uh, had a very wonderful relationship with her family, with her husband and, 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 and her, her son-in-law. Uh, who was my student, um, and I was very shocked when I heard last week uh, that she had passed away. And uh, we can only offer our, our, our deepest sympathies in the hummus. And tonight's cheer is being sponsored by our good friends, um, the, the Applesons, in her memory. So I think it's appropriate, um, as I, I've lost a little bit of contact with Rita, uh, that Bob, if you can just speak for a couple of minutes and we'll start this year after that. Well, I will. Thank you, Rabbi Kivalovich, and I'll be brief. Um, it, it's it not really possible uh, to say uh, what Rita meant to Charlene and me, and she, maybe Charlene wants to say something too, but I, I um, she, she was one of the very few people who was raised in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, by her wonderful parents, but the, 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 as an Orthodox woman, and she stayed with it. It was highly unusual. It was a tiny, tiny Orthodox community. And the fact that she stayed with it and, and maintained uh, in her observance, all the beautiful um, Southern hospitality and kindness that she had is something that um, it, it, it's just a, a loss to all of us. So uh, with that, I hope that the, the zuchut of, of this class will, will be in her memory and, and to elevate her already very high, Neshama. Well, I, I think it's a, thank you, Bob. And I think it's a program to be talking about what does it mean to be moved and inspired by mitzvot and what is the difference between mitzvahs that we're commanded to do and mitzvahs that we do out of love and out of sense of understanding? So I think that fits in very well with Rita herself. She was an incredibly, like I say, I've lost some contact with her, but when I was in Chicago and in the Skokie area, incredibly full of vigor, life, and 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 passion for mitzvahs. And I think that's we're going to be talking about that uh, today. So as I just add that it should be, she should be a Melitza Yosha for us and hopefully the Shear should give some, uh, not only a schuss for her, but some comfort to the family who uh, the Shear will be available for, for them to, to listen. <laughs> as long as there's a cloud and an internet, it'll be up here uh, in her schuss. Okay. Uh, the last couple of weeks we've, we've interconnected a lot of things. Uh, and as I told Bob uh, last week, um, I think every one of these shiurim, and this is going to be the sixth one, uh, can really be uh, listened to and 
you don't really need to have been built on what has come previously. Uh, and although I do suggest that it's worthwhile, I, I, I do think that what we're going to talk about tonight stands independent, but still very much connected to what we've been referring to. And what we're referring to, of course, since it was the Tisha B'Av period, the period, and especially in these parshios that stress living in Eretz Yisrael and what does it mean to be part of Eretz Yisrael and live in Eretz Yisrael properly. Uh, part of what we, we have seen in the last couple of weeks was the Ramban's overarching idea of what life in Eretz Yisrael means for the Jewish people. And what does it mean to have a living land? And what does it mean for mitzvos to actually be an essence, an essential part of that land? Up, almost as what the Ramban says, that they aren't essential outside of the land, that they aren't as essential. They don't do as much. They don't affect as much. The land, God, our neshamas, the Ramban, puts everything together. And even non-Jews or people that aren't really Jewish who violate mitzvot or do averos in Eretz Yisrael, the land uh, throws them out. The land cannot stand that. There's something about that piece of geography that is somehow connected to our souls and the power that, that goes through that piece of geography out to the rest of the planet is essential in the Ramban's mind of why we all need to go there. Last week, I, I tried to show how the Rambam, although he was a, an incredible believer in the holiness and the significance of that land and how much it means to us and how much there has to be Jewish life in Eretz Yisrael, how crucial that is, still a rejection and a strong one, I believe, of this metaphysical sense of Eretz Yisrael. And I, and I, I tried, and I think successfully, to show that it was dependent on, and the Ramban was able to, to make his case, in large part because of his theories about the planets and the stars and how uh, that works, and the type of control the other planets, constellations, angelic beings, and powers have, and how Eretz Yisrael doesn't have that. Now, the truth is, the Rambam system, uh, and we're going to start with the Rambam tonight, and then we're our way back to Ramban. Uh, the Rambam system is also somewhat complicated. Uh, the Rambam has a, 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 a system of how the world works, which in many ways to the modern ear, sounds as obsolete or strange as someone hearing the Ramban for the first time when you hear about constellations and planets and things like that. Part of the reason is and, and, and the Rambam has, as we've talked about, a, a philosophical, Arabic philosophical bent. And I am not that familiar with the original works of metaphysics that the Rambam is based on. But he does speak about the Galgalim and the Kochavim, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. I, and I think in a way that is, uh, to the modern ear, like I said, the modern ear would reject it just as well. 
Um, so it's not really uh, that the, <laughs> it would be wrong to say that the Ramban was in this mystical, had mystical blinders on. The Rambam's blinders are pretty strong a- as well. And I want to talk a little bit about that because that is crucial to the way the Rambam sees the purpose of Avram Avinu and what his, uh, per- what, what he did for the world. Now, the title of today's class is Searching for the Tefillin of Avram Avinu. And I'm going to talk about how in the Ramban's world, we could probably search for those tefillin. And from the Rambam's world, they wouldn't really be tefillin the way we understood them at all. In fact, we probably couldn't call them tefillin at all. And I think if we contrast the difference between the Ramban's Avram to the Rambam's Avram, I think it's going to help us a lot in, in understanding their different approaches. The Rambam introduces Avram Avinu in, in Mishnah Torah, in Sefer Mad and Hilchas Avodah It's a very famous Rambam. Uh, and he talks about how Avodah began. So I, I just want to go briefly uh, to, to some ideas here. As he says here, it was a to'us godol. It was a huge mistake that humanity started to make in the time of Enosh. And the Chachamim of that door really got it wrong. And even Enosh, who was, was a leader, a really a, a direct descendant of Shays, uh, also was on the wagon mistaking. Now the Ramam explains the mistake. The mistake is, There are Kochavim and Galgalim. Remember? The Ramban also talks about kolchovim, and he talks about mazolos, and he talks about malochim on top of that. So does the Ramban. V'nosman b'moraim, the cholchulem kovot, v'heim shamoshem amisham shamofonot. This is something that the Rambam agrees is true, that there are stars, and there's something called galgalim, which are planets and are more than planets. Those are, those are the things which cause the planets to move in an orbit and therefore to change, the, which eventually has an effect on our physical world. They're up there. And because of that, Avodah starts to begin. Now, just uh, that's the Rambam and Hilchas Avodah I felt it would be worthwhile. Go to the very first beginning of the Rambam's book where he says, who is God? God is Ohei Olam, Adon Kola Oretz, who are manig a galgal b'koach she'en lokeitz v'tachos. Remember that galgal? There's something called the galgal. There's this great wheel, right? Remember that song, the wheel in the sky keeps on turning? I don't know, I forgot who sings that song, somebody. But the point is, there's this incredible galgal that doesn't stop. And the Rambam, and, 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 and the Rambam feels it's God who is putting the energy into that, moving it. And that causes the, the stars, the constellations, and things even that we cannot see. There's movement, dynamism. And of course, they can only move because something is moving them. And God is moving it below Yad or below Guf. In fact, the Rambam says in the Yisodeh Torah that everything that's in the world, uh, it can be divided into three sections. 
there are creatures like us. We have a body and we have an animated force and something that's within us. And those are things that hovim v'nifsadim tomim. Like us, we exist and we die. We, we, we waste away. That's part of the tsura and the, and the golem. And that's like us, animals, plants, even metals and rocks. Um, and then um, there are things that have a golem and a tsura, but they don't actually um, change. They actually, they don't die. They are eternal, but there's a, there is a, a, a finite aspect that limits them, and they don't change. And this is what the Raman calls the planets and the stars. In other words, the planets and the stars have an energy and an understanding called the tsura, and, this, and they are eternal. And this is where the Rambam sounds even weirder than the Ramban to our ears because he believes these planets have a life. Jupiter and, 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 and Mars are living beings. So is the moon, according to the Rambam. But he said, and he says, and their physicality um, is not like our physicality that wastes away. And what gives them energy is not like ours either. And then you have a third level, which are the Malachim, which don't have anything called a golem. All they are is a tsura. Um, and, and here is where the Rambam says, anytime an, a, a, a Novi speaks about seeing a malach, and he talks about being with fire and wings, all of that was basically either the way the Novi was able to perceive the malach or the way the Novi needed to, to describe the malach. But they didn't really have wings. You didn't see an angel with wings, according to the Rambam. Um, and the fact that it says fire and wings just means that it doesn't have a body, because a body clearly doesn't fly. A body is heavy, and gravity keeps it down. A body is not like fire. Fire is always moving up. A body's tendency, ask anybody of our age, you'll see is gravity is pull, pulling us down in many different parts. So that's the reason why we say the, uh, 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 an angel has wings, right? That's what we say an angel is fire. It's because it is, it is, it is a upward moving. It doesn't have a, a containment like a body, which is so limp and descending like ours. Now, um, what, then the Rambam has to deal with what makes a difference between them. And the Rambam talks about the fact that each one is intellectually different from the other. Each one has a different uh, aspect of perception than God and the other one has. And in a sense, they're higher than each other, but only in a very um, a deep uh, intellectual way, in a very subtle way. And just like we know when we talk about the brilliant people, we not, one is not necessarily living higher than the other, but yet we can definitely place, uh, you know, uh, Isaac Newton, let's say, above uh, someone else, again, a, a lesser scientist. Now, um, and then the Rambam describes all the different types of malachim. He gives, he talks about the 10 malachim, the ones that are close to us. Um, he talks about the ones that are able to give prophecy. And, the, and then he talks about 
um, the Galgalim as well. And he says, of course, that only God uh, created them all. And he says everything from the highest level malach until the lowest nat, it all comes from God's essence. And since God knows his essence, he knows everything about everything in creation. And this is a very, uh, this gets into a different point about the uh, idea of God according, to God, according to the Rambam. Okay? Now, those Galgalim, he gives them names, as you can see here on the, on the screen. Talks about Uzvul, Arovos, Kochav. These are all based on uh, the system, the Roman system of the planets, uh, Saturn and Jupiter, uh, Shapsai and Tzedek. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's quite complex. It's hard for us to understand what it means, what this ether is and what this movements are. And he says that, of course, uh, they are all, all intertwined with each other. And in many ways, it, it, it's even hard to perceive where they are. And as he mentions, that even the colors of the planets that we see are an optical illusion. Um, it's only us that we see the planets looking a certain way. They don't really have those type of colors. And as he says, that it gives a number to them and how they move. And the Rambam says that um, from the way they move, of course, and from how they move and affect, that's how, the, that's how changes occur in the earth. Um, he talks about the four Yesodos, the four um, fire, earth, wind, and fire, and air. And he talks about the fact that they interact and change things and how uh, they affect the planet. All right. What he says is that they all, as you can see here, he says they all have a mind. They are alive. They recognize God. Uh, and based on their potentials, they praise God, just like the malachim that are on top of them. Um, they're not as, they don't understand God as well as the malach does, but more than human beings can. So in other words, these planets recognize God more than we do. Um, and again, this is, you can see here. Okay. But as he says, um, once we get down to our planet, uh, you have these Dawid Yesodos that are also eternal, that never changes. So this is a very complicated system, as I said. Um, and as the Rambam says, the reason why the world changes is because God is somehow pressing the buttons and things are affected here and sometimes they're affected at different parts of the planet. Now, the best way, the Rambam says, of course, would be to study this very intense and to us incorrect system, but to study it and to recognize how everything's connected and see how God is really the creator who does everything and realizing the immensity power of all these planets and stars and see how God's wisdom directs everything. And if you have that, the Rambam says, you will love God. And, you are go- and, you're go- and, you're- and your soul is going to thirst. And, 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 and your essence, your flesh is going to just want to love God 
because it's amazing what he has created. Now, let me just take a, a little bit off here and say that we could still fulfill this based on modern science. The Rambam's science led to this statement. The Rambam would, if, I, I, if the Rambam would be sitting here, he would say, you know, I wrote a lot of stuff there that probably isn't true, and maybe we could salvage some of it. But let's say we'd have Stephen Hawking or someone else who understands the universe, so to speak, um, uh, let's say, come in and, and write a new description of how the universe works in a simple way. You could still, after that, come to love the creator who's behind it all. And from that love, as the Rambam says, it leads to a sense of true humility and fear when you realize, and the Rambam says, it's not about God, it's also about how little you are compared to those, to the angels, to the malachim, to the planets. Uh, that's what the Rambam says. Now, and he says, if you feel that way, you, are, you will walk around a different person. So that's the way it should be. And let's assume that's the way it was. But it clearly, and you can see now in Hilchas HaVodah back in the Rambam, why that would lead people to say, boy, those planets are incredible. Boy, those angels are incredible. God gives them such, God works within them and they have such power. So that's the great system that God created, the same one the Rambam wants every human being to study. What we need to do is basically praise that system as well. Just like God gave them power, we're going to praise that system and and aspect. Now, that was something they didn't hear from any command. They thought it was a good idea. Kivan Shaladavrzaalibam, the Rambam says. So what do you do to get people involved in idea? Just like um, you know, Kevin Costner was told. Build it and they'll come. Because that's what human beings understand. And to praise them, to say how glorious they are. Because this way they felt, this is what God wants. And that's what Avodah's Kochavim was. It was Avodah to God through the Kochavim. Now, um, I, I, I want to point out something in the Marnavuchim, which we'll get to a little bit in a minute. The Rambam actually refines this, and he turns this into a pantheistic system. In other words, based on the fact that the world is eternal in their mind, in other words, the Rambam sort of played with this idea a little bit to understand the beginning of Avodas Kochavim. I mean, for all of us sitting here, we, we struggle with, hey, what, were people nuts? I mean, what's going on? Why do people not understand that, that Avodah Zorah is ridiculous, right? And, and, and of course, Abaya, the Gemara and Sanhedrin, made the same mistake. Abaya thought that, that, yeah, it's ridiculous to be over Avodah Zorah. And of course, Menashe, the king of Israel, Menashe, the king of Yehuda, uh, the son of Chizkiah, said, you know, Abaya, you would been, you'd be picking up your, 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 your feet to run the Avodah Zarah, you don't understand, we don't, you don't understand what Avodah Kachovim was. So I think we're all suffering from that to some degree. Despite the discovery of Avodah Kachovim in, in today's time, we're all suffering from not understanding it. But I think one thing is clear, 
that the Rambam is giving us an angle of how it occurred. Because if what Adam Arishon and all these other great men understood was to basically, and Adam spent a lot of his thousand years contemplating this incredible system of the world and the planet. So that's what many people thought they kept their mind on. They kept their mind on the the intricacies of the planet and with an understanding of the stars and the angelic powers above it. So it's not a far reach for the Rambam and Moranavuchim to say, well, maybe it was always here. This incredible system is always here and God is sort of like the spirit that inhabits it. But it's not that God created it from nothing. That's what the Rambam says in Marnavuchim, was the status before Avraham Avinu, and that's what he's getting to here. Although he doesn't say that exactly, you can see that it's very similar. In other words, yeah, uh, uh, and that's why the beginnings of Avodah Zarah sort of zeroed in on the body of God. Um, they didn't think there was not, they didn't think that there wasn't a God. Um, and, and he quotes a Pasuk in Yermia to prove that. Now, it was wrong to think God wanted this, this Avodos B'chavim to last, to, to exist, that these, that, that there should be Korbanos and there should be Hecholos. But remember, that's what human beings do. Human beings respond to something they love and the way they do it is, 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 is in something that gives them emotional sucker and, 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 and makes them feel they're doing something. Now the Rambam says what happened was the Neviyah Asheker arose. And they said, Ha'el Tziva, V'amra Wachem Ivdu Now, what we need to understand here is the Rambam has a, a very strong principle, which we see in Mor Nevuchem, which is that there had never been, up until the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, a command from God for human beings to do something on a mass scale. In other words, the Rambam here is really an interesting territory because we know that, of course, Avram was given the mitzvah of bris milah. Yet, and, 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 and right? if Avram was given the mitzvah of bris milah, but he wasn't commanded as a Navi to spread that word to anyone other than his family that kept it as a mitzvah. But there, the, 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 the humans who rose up and said they are prophets and God has commanded this to happen, they were liars. Moshe, the Rambam says, is the first person who was ever commanded, and the only one who was commanded to give mitzvot to humans that they have to fulfill. Now, this is going to sound strange, because this is a very, we don't have this type of concept. I mean, again, again many people who aren't, don't know the Rambam, say, well, what do you mean? <laughs> wasn't, wasn't there other mitzvahs beforehand? No, according to the Rambam, and we're going to talk about the Sheva Mitzvahs Bnei Noach as well, but according to the Rambam, this idea, in other words, not only did they come up with Carbonos first, they came up with Nevi'im first. 
the, the, the Avodah Zarah world came up with the idea of Korbanos or Hecholos and, 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 and all these huge, even though we have the Mizbeach, and this is the Ramban's question about the Mizbeach of Noach and the Mizbeach of Shem, the Mizbeach of Cain and Hevel, but the idea of, of, of institutionalizing, there's a Novi who's commanding, a God is commanding you to do this, to serve all the Kochavim, to be, to be makr of this, um, and, or, and to build a heichal, as he says, and God wants us to build a heichal. And the Nevi'im explained, why does God want us to build a heichal? So the Nevi'im answered, in order for everyone to bow down to it. And again, uh, there's a little bit of sexism here and a little bit of what you might call misogynistic terminology here. And we've seen it before in the Rishonim. We can't be scared of it. But the Ramam felt that God wants it because that's what everybody needs. The Noshim, the Ktanim, the Ameya Aretz, people who aren't philosophers and prophets like ourselves, they need it. And not only that, they say that God impressed upon them a certain icon, an image, which is symbolic in a way, a physical symbol of that star or of that angel. And that's how the Rambam says we have imagery, iconography, various types of trees, mountains, right? Remember, um, right? Remember Richard Dreyfus in... uh, Close Encounters, right? He had to build a certain image that was in his head. That's what the Nevi'im said. They got that image, and that image becomes crucial. And by zeroing in on that image, then it could help you. Um, That's what the Nevi'im said. And then they had phony Kohanim. And the phony Kohanim would say, you heard what the Novi said? So, you know what? The Kohanim were sort of like the uh, the the propagandists. They said, "Hey, if we do this, you're going to have atzlocha. You're going to have better crops. It's going to be great." So they were sort of like the, the the men on the street who pushed these ideas. The Rambam says it got worse, and he says then it got to a point that they said it wasn't God who told them to do it, but the planet. The Galgal, the Malach himself, started commanding. Hmm. And the Rambam says that happened to a point that the world started to be different everywhere. That in some sections of the planet it was this way, in some places it was that way, and everybody had all different types of ways of different carbonos and different ways to serve. And when you have a lack of centrality, what happens is, is that the idea behind it, even the pantheistic idea of God inhabiting that, he says, became lost. And people didn't remember that at all, that there was either one creator or even one, it wasn't created, even that there was one universal force was unknown. And then once again, the Ramam speaks about in, in Hilchus Avodis Chokavim, Kol Ama Oretz Hanoshem Vaktanim. Again, those are the ones who needed the Heichal, remember? Those are the ones that needed to have 
things very concrete. And they, unfortunately, represent most of the people. The unlearned, and again, the Rambam here is being elitist-like, and that is what the Rambam was. He wasn't elitist in that way. But he's saying the Rambam here is projecting what the world was like before Avram Avinu, which was an unenlightened, uh, most of the masses, and 50% were women who were also emotionally involved and connected, and the children who were also excitable. So all they knew was the iconography. And because, as the Rambam says, they knew about the Heichal, they knew about going going to the building, they knew about going to the shul, you'll excuse the expression, Mikat Nusam, since they've been kids. And they know what they do over there. And they know the Korbanos that they bring there, or the Ketoris that they do there, or whatever it is. And even the, 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 the Kohanim that they had also felt they knew that the icon was a symbol of some sort of being up in the sky, and the planets are beyond their human sight, but that's all they knew about. But he says, basically, a creator of the planet, nobody knew. The Rambam says, Yechidim knew. Chanoch, Mesushelach, Noach, Shem, Ve'ever. The Rambam knows this from the Psukim in the Torah. How does the Rambam know about Ever? Um... That I think the Rambam knows from the Kabbalah, from the Midrashim of the base Medrash of Shem Ve'ever. But he says, this is the way the world got worse and worse until Avram Avinu shows up. So, when Avram Avinu shows up, the Rambam says that he begins to his quest. And the Rambam says, and it's, it's incredible what the Rambam says if you look at it. Um, because the Rambam turns him into not only a child prodigy, but really the most important human being that the world has ever seen. Um, uh, as, as, as much as the Rambam uh, describes Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy and how crucial he was, but in terms of a, a sea change, we'll look at the Marnabuch from in a minute, we'll see what Avram Avinu's purpose was. Avram Avinu, the Rambam says, was... Um, and you can see that he began to think, and he was thinking day and night, and he was wondering, this, this Galgal, this Galgal that we're talking about, um, it seems to always be moving and changing. There's got to be a power behind it. What's the power behind it? It, it can't just exist on its own. The Rambam also makes an incredible statement. He says the, the, that Avram Avinu had no teachers. No, no one told him anything. Now, um, if we take a look at, at you know, the, there have been many attempts to find the sources of this, of this Rambam. Where did the Rambam get this from? Where, where did the Rambam's history of Avram Avinu come from? That, that, that Avram Avinu is this self-made genius. So, um, there are two works that I think, very modern day works, written by men of very different, many people think of them very differently. Um, one work is by uh, the Mamadian scholar, Rosh Hashiva, and, and as 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 uh, Jonathan, Lord Jonathan Sachs uh, eulogized him as one of the great Gedolei Ador 
of our time, Nochem Eliezer Rabinovich, who was the Rav in Charleston, eventually the Rav Maladumim, and the author of the Yad Kshuta on the Rambam. And that is one of the best places to look for sources on the Rambam. It's interesting that many of the same sources that Rav Nochem Eliezer Rabinovich and I know that once he went to Mala Dumim, it was there for a number of years, he had people helping him and uh, working again. Uh, it doesn't take away from his, uh, his, his, what his passion was and what he did. But also there was a work that was printed in the 50s in the, by uh, a man at that time who was only in his 30s. And today he's considered the Sar HaTorah and the God of Ador of Chaim Kanievsky. And uh, his, he wrote in the Sefer Kiryas Melech, uh, finding with his, again, he was 30 years old, knowing all the sources and didn't have a, he didn't have a Bariwan a database to find it. And he came up with the sources of where the Rambam, um, and you can see here on the screen, this is Rav Chaim Kanievsky's uh, sources of, of everything the Rambam uh, comes, uh, had said, he finds that in the Gemara. The fact that he was all by himself, though, I found interesting. Um, Chaim Kanievsky says this comes from Voracious Rabbah, uh, chapter 61. And I looked it up, and this is the idea of, of uh, the idea of the Rambam's, well, the Midrashic little bases of what I think the Rambam's sense of who Avram Avinu is. Uh, the Midrash says, Right? Um, first capital and tillin, first parak and tillin. Again, the person who doesn't go with the eights of the Rishoyim, who doesn't stand with the Chatoyim, who doesn't sit with the cynics and the Litzim, uh, he has a desire of God's Torah and he thinks about it day and night. And he becomes like a, um, a tree that is entrenched on the various waters, that is able to give its fruit in its proper time, and its leaves do not uh, go bad. His leaves do not fall. And whatever he does, he succeeds. So the Medrash says, this is Avram Avinu. The very first capital until him is really description of Avram. Um, he was not part of the Atzas Rishoyim. Remember, he was this. He did live in the same period of the. If you do the math of the Tower of Babel of the Doraflaga, he wasn't with them. He did not go. He lived with stone. He didn't go in their way. Um, interesting. Moshe of Leitz and Yoshav. Um, he found Abimelech in the Polishtim to be a cynical bunch. He didn't want to live around there. He thought that was a cynical community. Um, that's what the Pasuk says. I know he's going to command, God says. I know he's going to command uh, his children, the Torah says. Meaning he's going to work on the Torah, on God's Torah. So how did he work on that? The Medrash asks. Why 
is, it's good to have two rabbis, right? His Hillel and Shammai were his two kidneys. That was the idea. Vayunovos, and they overflowed and taught him Torah and Chochmah. Um, and that's what the Pasuk says in Tehillim also, Dovah HaMelech, channeling Avram Avinu. Avorach Hashem, Asher Ya'atzoni. V'afleilos Yisruni Chilyosai. Meaning that God has, has given me an idea and at night I push myself, the Mitsuda says, is Yisruni Kuyosai. I push myself to think and to work. So Rav Chaim Kanyevsky has found an incredible medrash. Yes, in a way, you know, you could learn this medrash to say that God was learning, that Avram was discovering the Torah, the Torah that we are learning, the Torah that's in Dafyomi, the Torah that's in these parshios that we're learning about. We're coming up to the parshios of so many mitzvahs, and parshas re'ei, and parshas kiseitze. All these parshas, shoftim, kiseitze. Is that what it's talking about? So Rechaim Kanievsky suggests that the Rambam really, um, this medrash, and I guess aligns with the Rambam's idea of, of Avram Avinu just being an incredibly brilliant person who, um, worked on his own to figure this out, even though the whole world had spent years with their head bent pretzel-like in the sand. And therefore, um, he realized that, and remember where he was. He was in Orkastim, he was by fools, surrounded by fools, his parents were part of it, but he got it from his own incredible mind. And again, the Rambam is 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 is, is elevating the, his hero because he worked with the power of his mind, and he knew that there was just one God. Who and it is a very complex system. It's incredibly complex. But there's a God, one power behind the incredible machinery. He created it all. And nothing can, nothing else could create anything without God. And he knew the world was wrong. And the reason why they were wrong is because they become so entrenched in the system. And the system, of course, was a system that was very developed. And that system, because it was so developed and because it was so detailed about the stars and the planets and the Galgalim, the same ones, listen to what I'm saying, the Rambam says, the same ones that he expects all of us to master and study, the details became so crucial that they overwhelmed the main idea. And therefore, what he did was, um, he said, I'm going to speak up. And in the belly of the beast, he was going to speak up and say, this is wrong. And that's why he breaks the, the idols. He doesn't break them just because, and again, we, we have a, a storybook sense of, you know, breaking the idols. The idols are, are all part of a system. And again, the, you know, I, I hate making a comparison to taking down the monuments in, in the United States. Uh, but 
it, it isn't just the fact that, okay, those idols are broken. Um, it's that the idols, uh, those iconography are what stopped people from freeing their minds. Um, and therefore, uh, he needed to do these, 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 these incredibly aggressive acts. And it's right for everyone to break that. In order, because we need to, in, in order that people should, should get out of that shell. Because as long as these images are here, as long as these incredible um, uh, palaces are here, then we are not going to get the real truth about God. Um, the Rambam says that uh, he was so, so forceful, so brilliant in his proofs. And again, this is the Rambam's version of the Ur Kastim, that um, the king saw him as an enemy of the state. Um, and this is where, of course, uh, the Rambam feels that Avramavina was now free. He was able in his story to actually be, go to Haran, and in Haran, all the way, of course, to Eretz Yisrael, he was able to be Korei B'Shem Hashem, which the Rambam says means that he ran like a, uh, like a crusade. Uh, I hate using a Christian word, but that's what it was. Um, and from place to place, more people were part of it. Um, and because the idea was novel, because the person had charisma, everybody wanted to know about it. And unlike, you know, big superstars that uh, go into their uh, uh, dressing room after the show, uh, Avram Avinu spent time with everyone, Kafi Daito. Um, and in fact, he says that there were alafim verivavos, um, thousands, ten thousands, and those were called the base Avram. And he was able to to for people to understand this, and he wrote books about it. Uh, he taught Yitzchok. This, obviously Yitzchak is not the same caliber as in the Rambam's eyes as Avram. Uh, Yitzchak became a decent teacher, uh, a teacher, an exhorter, a mazir. That's something he doesn't say about, and again, this might be a hint to Yitzchak's personality. Uh, Yitzchak told Yaakov, and he gave Yaakov a job to be the teacher. That Yaakov should be a teacher and to teach all the ones that were close to him. And Yaakov taught all his children and Yaakov separated Levi. And the Rambam now uses an interesting term, a yeshiva, to teach them the derech Hashem and to be shomer the mitzvos of Avram. What is he talking about? What are the mitzvos? What is the, the derech Hashem is about God? Yes. And the way to live a life to be connected to God. But what are the mitzvos of Avram? He hasn't mentioned any mitzvos. I mean, Avram had personal mitzvos that he was given. But what, what is he, what this yeshiva that the Rambam is talking about, that had thousands and twenty thousands and books that were written. What was the content of that? Now, the Rambam goes on to say that Levi was the leader 
And there was this idea, an idea that the B'nai Levi have the DNA for that, that the B'nai Levi need to be the leaders because somehow they are the gifted teachers. And the B'nai Yaakov and non-Jews, people who weren't part of the family became part of it. Now, where did this happen? <laughs> where did this happen? Um, you know, I, I, I want to show you how weird this is in a way. It is a beautiful story, but, but it, is the Rambam based on, if you look at the Medrashim that, spot, that speak about the yeshiva of, of the Ovos, let me show you what those yeshivas say, those Medrashim say. Um, the Ramban quotes them. The Ramban, in his parish, on Parshas Toldos, quotes these Midrashim. And I'm going to read you the Ramban, and I'm going to read you the Medrash the Ramban quotes. This is a Ramban that we did uh, in, in somewhat of a brief fashion uh, last week. This is the Ramban where, um, and we're scrolling down to get to it. And here it is. Okay. This, of course, is the the Pusik, um that is quoted in Parshas Todos. Um, I'm going to give you uh, Eretz Yisrael. You're going to have a special bracha. You're going to get Eretz Yisrael, and I'm going to fulfill the Shavu to you, Yitzchak. Because Avram listened to my voice. He was Shomer my Mishmeres. He kept my safeguards. And then these words, and this is the first time this word appears in the Torah. The word Torah appears in the Torah in Parshas told us for the first time. Torah Soi. Mitzvosai, my mitzvos, my chukim, and my toros. This seems extremely out of place in Parshas told us. This is Yitzchak being told that he's going to get the brach of Avram because of what his father did. The Rishonim there have a field day trying to figure out what mitzvos, chukos, and toros are. Rashi a, a clear connection from Chazal, says, you know what the Mishmaros are? That Avram Avinu kept the Darabonons. Shnios Larayos and Shvus and Moshavos. We're talking about Muktza, Shvus, or Malochos and Amalochos on Shabbos. At least that's the impression you get from Rashi. And when he talks about Mitzvosai, we're talking about Gezel and Shvi Chazdamim, which are logical. Chukosai are things like Achilas Chazir, wearing shatnes. Um, and those are called Chukim because there's no logical reason seemingly for them. And Torosai is Torah Shabal Peh. 
which is a lot of rabbinical law, rabbinical explanation of what the mitzvahs mean, what totafos mean, what a tefillin box looks like. Now, the Ramban, based on this Rashi, as we saw last week, says that this seems to be the opinion of Chazal that Avram kept the whole Torah before it was given. And he says, this is what the Medrash says when it talks about the Agolos. So this Medrash, on one hand, is a source of the Rambam as well. But the Rambam has definitely decided not to read this Medrash the way it's written. Here's the Medrash. Yehuda was sent Lahoros Lefanov to Goshen. What did that mean? So the Medrash says it means to make a base Talmud, Shemorisham Torah. That the Shvatim should read Torah there. Why? In other words, basically, Mitzrayim had to have a place of Torah. That's what the Ramam talked about. He talked about Dorach Dor. So the generations of Levi would be in Mitzrayim. The Rambam is talking about, the one we, the Rambam in Hilchas Havodos Kachavim, is talking about this yeshiva that the Medrash is referring to, that existed before we had the intense persecution that the Mitzrayim imposed upon us. The Medrash says, I'll prove to you there was always this yeshiva because when Yosef left, and you know what we're going to say over here, Yaakov knew what they were learning. They knew what Mishnah, what halacha he was teaching him. And when Yosef, when Yaakov was told Yosef is alive, he didn't believe it. He said, no, I don't believe it. But he says, the only way I can believe it is because, what's what I'm going to say here? Part of our life is our learning that we do. It isn't just something that we spend 10 minutes doing uh, and, and, and say grace and eat like a, a bunch of chazer. The Torah that was part of their lives, the yeshiva that was part of life in, in Canaan and then life in Mitzrayim was so essential that Yaakov was clear that Yosef would know what they were studying when they left. There was the life that they were living, the, the going out into the field and planting and, and, and watching animals and, and, and taking care of the animals. But that was so secondary to a life of learning that was going on that Yaakov was clear that if he's really Yosef, he's going to know what we were studying, what obscure law we were studying together. Yodeani Shibiperik Egla Rufa. That's what we're learning Egla Rufa, which of course was incredible because that's what sort of happened to Yosef. Of course, Yosef was, was kidnapped and, and almost killed. So, hmm. Uh, so he says, what was, you need to, he needs to tell me what we were learning, and then I'll believe it was Yosef. But Yosef did remember. And that's why Yosef sent an agola, because it was a remez to the Egla Rufa. And that's why when Yosef, Yaakov sees them, it says, Vayechi Ruach Yaakov and Vayechi Ruach Yisrael, he becomes Israel at that point. 
He becomes a different person because Yosef touched the Torah aspect that they were studying. So, Shakol Mokam Kishem What does that teach you? That wherever they went, Yaakov studied Torah like Yitzchak did and like Avram did. And even though the Torah hadn't been given. And then it quotes the same Pusik that we saw before from Tehillim. Kilyosai. Naso Kilyosov Kishnei Kadin Shleiman. Remember we saw the Medrash that Rechaim Kanievsky brought, that is, that he worked hard and the idea started to come to him? According to this, Rav Shimon says, yeah, Torah came out. And Rabbi Levi said, may atzmo lama Torah. But what Torah is this talking about? This is talking about the same Torah that's up in your farm stores, the same Torah that's in your base medrash, seemingly. And that's what this matter says. Now, the Rambam, when he speaks about Avram Avinu, he speaks about Avram Avinu as a philosopher, as a writer, as, 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 a, as a person who could change the world. But not as a person who was studying the Torah. Um, in fact, I don't know if this is the right translation or not. But if you look at Moranavuchim, the Rambam seems to dismiss what was definitely the standard take on the Avos. The Rambam says in Chelet Beis of Moranavuchim, Perik, uh, He says that um, when he speaks about who Avram Avinu was, here uh, it's actually uh, in in, in Perak Bays, Chaluk uh, Bays. I'm sorry. Here it is. He says nobody was ever anyone who I don't deny that Avram was a prophet. He was a navi. However. He never told a group of people that God had sent him and commanded him to say something or to warn them not to do something or commanding to do something. There's no proof in the Torah that that is true. That sounds like there's no true medrash that says that the Ovos either were told to command their children to follow the Torah in any way. Um, Now, you can't deny that there was Mila, but the medrashim that we've seen sounds like and if, if we take a look at the, the language even more straightforward, that, that 
that the Avos, Avram and Yitzchak and Yaakov, studied this and they lived this way. This was a, this was a part of their life. The Ramban understands this perfectly because he says that's Torah and mitzvahs are tied into Eretz Yisrael even before the Torah was given, <laughs> and that's why when you're when, that's part of the reason why uh, Avram Avinu tapped into it. He was living in Eretz Yisrael, so obviously uh, it didn't take long for his soul to bond with the soul of God and the essence of what the Jewish people are. And even though the Torah hasn't been given yet, he was able to understand that he had to live that life. And okay, he didn't necessarily get on a megaphone, but it was understood that everybody would keep it. That is the simple pshat in the Midrashim, that they had this yeshiva, that they were keeping it, there needed to be a special dispensation not to keep it. And that, of course, is what the Ramban says is the reason why it was disregarded often when they were outside of the land of Israel. Because you didn't have to keep it there. But the Rambam seems to say that, that if that is what the Medrash is saying, the Medrash is mistaken. Or it's not the true idea of what the Medrash really means. Now, I tried to find this today. We talked about Erev Tavshilon a minute ago. Some say that's only a remez to the idea of Shabbos, an idea of one God, because Erev Tavshilon is to remember Shabbos. And Erev Tavshilon just means the idea behind Erev Tavshilon. Um, the... Um, but once again, if we look in the Mishnayas at the end of Kedushan, the Mishnayas say clearly, when it talks about how great learning Torah is, it says Torah gives you advantages when you're young, it gives you advantages when you're old, and it, and it brings proofs to that. And then the last Mishnah in Kedushan says, that Avram seemingly fulfilled the Torah before it was given. That's why it says, If you look at the Yershalmi on that Gemara and Kedushan, on that last Mishnah, it says, before the Torah came into the world, before the Torah was in the world, Avram was keeping it. Mitzvosai, chukosai, v'torosai. Um, so the Yershalmi seems to be clear that that is the case. So now, what the Rambam didn't have this Mishnah? The answer is he did not. That last part of the Mishnah, research has shown, is not, was not in the original Mishnayis. One of the Baliatosas says, without quoting the Rambam, he says the idea that the Mishnah says that Avram kept the whole Torah is not from the Mishnah. What is his proof? Because the Gemara in Yuma quotes a similar statement from an Amora Rav and then Ravashi and doesn't mention the Mishnah. So from the fact that the Gemara in Yuma doesn't mention this Mishnah is an indicator that it's not from the Mishnahis. Let me explain the difference here. It would be very hard for the Rambam to reject the Mishnah. 
The Rambam saw himself as continuing the great work of Yehuda HaNasi. He himself wrote a commentary on the Mishnah. The Rambam doesn't have a problem skirting a Gemara or learning a Gemara, basically not according to Pshat, or rejecting a Gemara. But the Rambam would not do that to a Mishnah. The answer is it's not in the Mishnahis, which is why the Rambam, you know, doesn't really care about it. He was aware of it. Oh, oh boy, was he aware of it. He knew about these Midrashim. But he felt that they were telling us a, a, a wrong story. Just to end with um, um, uh, an idea here. Um, one of the great writers of the 19th and 20th century was Rav Shlomo Gansfried. And there are many of you there who, there are many of you there who probably have heard, of course, and learned his book, which is the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch, right? Uh, it's interesting to note that that is his most popular book and maybe one of the most popular halachic books of all time. However, um, he also wrote a number of other works, uh, Sefer on Hilchus Nida, which is a very important one, uh, Chidushim on Shas, and he also wrote a book called Apirion on Chumash. And Rafoma Gansfried asks, he says, how is it possible for Avram to fulfill the mitzvah of tefillin? We know the Gemara says that tefillin and mezuzahs cannot be written by an Evid or an Isha. Someone who's not commanded to do the mitzvah of tefillin can't write your tefillin. Misha yishnu bikshira, yishnu biksiva. If you have a mitzvah to tie the tefillin on you, then you have a mitzvah to write the tefillin. But if you don't have a mitzvah to tie tefillin, you might be the most beautiful, you might be the sofa writes the most beautiful letters, but you can't, we can't use you. So Avram did not have the command to put on tefillin. So how could he have written himself a pair of tefillin that could have worked? So in other words, even if a woman wants to wear tefillin, she needs to wear tefillin that are written by a man. So Rav Shlomo wants to say, no, of course, Avram did have a pair of tefillin. But we know the Gemara says, why is it that Claudius has the schus of this beautiful mitzvah called tefillin? Because Avram Avinu said to the king of stone, I'm not taking anything from you. I'm not going to take from the uh, shoelace, so to speak, or a thread. So from there, from that language of Avram Avinu, we understood the Gemara says that Klau Yisrael was able to be Zoha to get Sitzis and Philip. So Avram Gansfried says, is the Gorein for Mitzvah's Tefillin, in a way. Avram's life is what led the Jewish people to get Tefillin. So you can't say Avram can't write his own Tefillin. So since he's the Gorein, eventually, for this Mitzvah, so he can write a pair of Tefillin. So this is the author of the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch. He doesn't say this is a Jewish. In his mind, we need to have a picture of Ramavino writing a pair of tefillin and using this halachic 
chap, this construct, to allow it. Not only does Avram Avinu know about the mitzvot, and know exactly how they look like, he knows about the jerusha, about who can write tefillin. And he knows that there's going to be a mitzvah that's based on his life, and it's because of the schus that he generates into the Jewish people's DNA that they're going to get the mitzvah of tefillin, that he has the right to be a writer of tefillin and use it and, and, and fulfill it. <laughs> now, Roshoma Gansfried was this way. In fact, I want to stop in two minutes. The whole night, the whole, for hundreds and hundreds of years, Jewish literature is full of questions about the avos and the keeping of the mitzvos. Why didn't they keep the mitzvos in a certain place? Okay, we have the Ramban's answer. Why even in that place? Why did Avram Avinu marry Hagar? It says you're not supposed to marry a, a mitzvah until the third generation. Why did the brothers marry sisters? The questions are legion. If you take these midrashim literally, which almost everyone outside of the Rambam and a group of Rishonim did, then the questions pile up almost ad infinitum. One of the authors who spends three or four pages in his, in, in eight, based on his drushas from the 1870s was the Maram Sheik, the Klam Sofer's prime student. And he speaks about, uh, again, why did Avram, why was Avram allowed to make a, 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 a truce with Avimelech? If the Torah says you're not supposed to make a truce with the nations that are living in Canaan. All of these weird um, time loop questions, right? Right? How can Avram do stuff, right? Which is Usr. How can he serve Basar Vachalov to the, to the, to the angels? All of these questions are based on uh, this idea of Avram Avinu lives in the future and he's acting like he's, he's like a doctor who. He's like living in the future and knows all of them. How can he therefore in the present time or what's our past have acted and flaunted them? What's interesting to me is that, um, the uh, Rabbi David Tzvi Hoffman, who was a student of this outlook, this Hungarian world, the world of the of the Shulch, he was a Talmud of Maram Shik and a Ksav Sofer, and they were and they were into this question. Again, I could collect more than 150 pages on this. I want to show you what Rabdotsi Hoffman says about this, about this approach. Now, again, Dovitsi Hoffman was writing for a German public. He wrote his commentary in German. But um, see if I have the right page. Dovitsi Hoffman writes is. that all these drashim, all these midrashim, he says, are clearly only derach drush. And here it is. Um, I'm going to find a David Svi here, and I, I seem to have... Uh, 
<laughs> seem to have uh, put him someplace where basically what he says is is that obviously uh, we cannot take these things as pshat. There's no reason why God would have given these commands beforehand. Why would God have wanted Avram Avinu to know them? And he says, therefore, the psukim that say Torotai and Mitzvosai, Vachukosai, here's what David C. Hoffman. Here, look what he says. Bikshu lahasik b'miyuchon mipsukeno that the Ovis fulfilled all the Torah. Ein liros ba'anochazu eladrash bilvad. This attempt is just drash. Why should God be speaking here about mitzvahs and chukim before he commands them? It's better to learn that somehow Torah doesn't really mean the Torah. It doesn't mean the mitzvahs of the Torah. The Torah is things that God or Megalit to the people, the people that feared him. It can only be for example, what God told to Noah about Prismila, there wasn't. Now, he's, I, I don't have the original German, but I do believe you see that Hoffman, and he was a posek otzum, has really entered into the Rambam's world here. That it doesn't make sense that God should be referring to that, despite all the Midrash. The Midrashim are really a way to sort of inspire us to want to learn and be like the Ovos, but they don't ref- reflect the actual truth. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.